Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to be talking about the death of Kendrick Johnson. And this case is one where I have actually had arguments in my head over. Yeah, yeah. I think this is one of those cases where when you first hear about it, you have one opinion, then you hear a little bit more and your opinion changes. And it kind of goes back and forth over time because there's so many variables. And it's kind of like Swiss cheese, right, where there's these holes and your brain fills them in, right? Exactly. Yeah. So there's been points where I'm like, okay, this explains it. And then I read on a little bit. I'm like, never mind. That makes no sense now. Why did this happen? And I will say that the research for this episode probably took me longer than our normal episodes because I would write down a question that I had, go into that question, and then come back with three more. Yes. And I think that this episode, more than any other episode, I think that the information that we looked at, we tried to not just look at it through the lens of this case. So we'll talk about cause of death, but we're going to talk about like, what does that mean? Where else do you see that? What is this like? Which is typically like, we're not looking that in depth at the cause of death, you know, by itself. We did with Ditlov because that's what Ditlov is. How do they die? Yeah. Right. But this, I feel like every wrinkle requires a little bit more information to be able to understand it, I feel like. Agree. Yeah, that makes sense. It was definitely something that even now, after spending hours and hours, day after day, researching this case, where I am still asking more questions, and other people are too. So that's why we chose this case. Also, because I think that regardless of the result, his death was a tragedy. And at the end of the day, his family is not firm in the belief of how he died. And they they deserve that. Because if you lose your child or anybody important to you, you should know why and how and not have to worry like, is that what happened? And that I think is one of the things that's the most heartbreaking is that his family is clearly in so much pain. So let's go ahead and get started with what happened so that we can discuss what our thoughts are at the end. So we're going to take you back to January 10th, 2013. Kendrick Lamar Johnson, who is 17, was attending his second day back from break at his high school. So typical day back, right? It's probably not fun either coming back from break. Remember back in high school, you're like, it's the worst. It's the absolute worst. So what friends have said about him that I've read about, I was trying to get to know him a little bit too. And they said that he was a sweet and quiet boy. He also loved sports. And I did read somewhere that he might have dreamt about being a professional football player one day. So just to kind of put you in his headspace, right? And also just another little tidbit about him is his family called him KJ. So he went to school. He was supposed to go to a basketball game after school and then, you know, return home a little bit after that. He doesn't make it home. So around midnight is when his mother really, I mean, I'm sure she was panicking the entire time, but she really panicked. She called and reported him missing. I did read in some articles, too, that she did drive around the school. She really looked at anywhere he could potentially be. 
Yeah. After she reports him missing the next morning, which would be January 11, 2013, she went to the high school to look for him because like if he would have gone out with friends or did something after the basketball game, he wouldn't have missed school. He would have at least gone to school. And also this was kind of out of character. You know, he normally would return home when he was supposed to, right? Yeah. So she goes to the school. She's looking for him. And as she's talking to administration at the school, she's informed that he didn't attend some of the classes the day before. Yeah. So this, I'm sure, gave her more panic. Like, well, first off, why didn't anyone tell me? I would be pissed off. I would imagine if I was like the parent of a teenager, in my head, I would be like, they stayed out all night getting into something, right? Because kids, you know, they do things. Sometimes they make... They do stupid things in high school. Interesting decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would imagine you would be like, okay, they stand out with their friends. They're going to be in school the next day. And then you get to their school and you find out they didn't even finish their school day. Your kids should be safe at school. They should be. They should be. And if your kid goes missing from school, you would think somebody would tell you. Yes. Well, that and I'm thinking back to high school, right? If for any reason you didn't make it to one of your hours and you're even like 10 minutes late, something happened, you lost a book, whatever, they were already letting the office know you didn't show up. And then, you know, within about a half hour to an hour, your parent would receive a phone call. Yeah. So I'm like, what the hell was this school doing to where they right away did notify, hey, I don't know what hour you know, he disappeared in, but like, yeah, he didn't show for fifth hour. Yeah, not sure. That just it, it infuriates me. That's the first area where the ball was dropped. Yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, it was the same thing. I remember these girls skipped class one day. And like, admittedly, I also I went to a private all girls school. So a very different fancy. It was what it was. It was an interesting experience. I am fortunate that I got to go there. But these two girls skipped school and like you would have thought that like talk of the town, you would have thought that like some strange man off the street came and abducted them from the school. Like the way that everyone was freaking out. They were questioning students on where they were, where they last saw them. Like they were like freaking out. And they had just walked to the shopping center across from the school to be like, no, thank you. It's hard for me to imagine not doing that. Exactly. If someone's kids go missing. But so his mother's name is Jacqueline. And so while Jacqueline's in the office and they've informed her that her son didn't attend all his classes the day before, there's two students who are in the old gym. The school has two gyms, old gym, new gym. I'm assuming they call the new gym just the gym. But so they're in the old gym. And there's this area where they have wrestling mats that are standing up. So they're like six feet tall about. And there's two students. They notice something sticking out of one. They're sisters. They're sisters. And they're also the daughters of the superintendent of schools for Lowndes County. Convenient. Yes. Convenient. But also let's just add that is like wrinkle 17 because we also haven't told parents at this point. Right. Interesting. So they notice something sticking out of one of the gym mats. And one of the girls says that her and her sister were up on the gym mats because they wanted to lay down on them. Okay, so that's another thing. Which seems strange. This doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Who lets this happen? And I believe they were in gym class, right? I was a freak goth girl with fishnets, right? And I was still expected to participate in gym. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I didn't have the option to not participate in gym. And if I did, I was like playing like badminton or something really stupid. And I was just like, okay, I mean, I'll do this. But here's the thing. These gym mats are six feet tall. We'll get into a little bit more about gym mat science that Amanda went down into. But these things are heavy and they're big and there's many of them. And it doesn't make sense that they would let students climb on top of these things because let's just like take every other variable out. If you fall from six feet up, you could break something. Liability. Students should not be climbing on top of these. Just already, like they shouldn't be doing that at all. 
But so they're up there, see something sticking out, and they look at it and they're like, this is extra strange. And it looks like a foot. So they think it was like a joke. So they're like really looking at it. And then they call over other students because they start to get concerned about what it is. So then they call over other students, a male student, and they're not named. A lot of the stuff's redacted because they're under 18. So a male student inspects further and then he calls out for the coach. The coach comes over and he climbs up and inspects what it was. So then he notices, oh gosh, this isn't just a prank. This is a person in this mat and his feet are sticking out. So what he does is he quickly, from what I understand, tries to get the student out, right? Without thinking, I need to get this person out. Yeah. And again, these are upright gym mats and there is a foot sticking out of it. Yeah. And it's awkward, I'm sure. Very awkward. So this is strange. This is a strange thing to be looking at. Yeah. So then he's like, okay, I can't get him out. It might be easier on the floor, right? What he starts to do is he gets down and he has other students helping him move the mats that are in the way so he can get to this one particular mat. Once they get to that mat, they pull it down, right? So it was vertically. They move it horizontally onto the floor so that they can get whatever is in there out, right? So once they pull it down, they realize not only is this a person, this person is deceased. And one student in the incident report mentions that he knew it was a body, not necessarily a student that was still alive, because of the smell. Immediately, I'm sure they back up in horror and then they call 911, right? So 911 is called. The coach and the students were each interviewed. Yes. So a little bit about the crime scene. So this is when authorities and everything come in. There are a lot, a lot of pictures of the scene. They're available online. Be cautious when you even think to look up Kendrick Johnson's name. Yeah. Just an FYI out there, I'll say it now, because a lot of these images are very gruesome. If you type in Kendrick Johnson and click images, you will see photos of him after he has died. They're like, it's in the top part. Yeah. And that is a purposeful choice by his family. And I th- honestly, it's kind of like, I'll never unsee that. No. And that being said, if this was my loved one, I would never want you to forget them. Like, I would never want you to stop being like, hey, remember that case? That was strange. It makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense why they've done that. And I think that some they get some criticism for that. And I'm like, we're not going to forget Kendrick. We're just not going to. No. And so in that they succeeded. Yeah, absolutely. I just thought it would be very important to touch on that because when you Google, you're going to see crime scene images. You're going to see his body and then you're going to see his body later from the funeral home as well. So not only is it there, if you look, we're going to go into why, but there were protests surrounding this case and he was on posters during protests as well in that state. Like the pictures of him. Yeah. So the mat, the mat itself. Let's talk about that first. It was about six feet tall and three feet in diameter. So it's pretty big. So there are different types of gym mats, like Lindsay briefly mentioned. There's different types of mats. And I've learned this from teachers that I've reached out to that I know. So thank you, Nora and Chris, for helping me out with this. There are different types of mats. Some are softer than others based off of what you're using them for. So like a dance mat might be softer than like a gym mat, from what I understand. And then some are going to be heavier than others. Makes sense. But this one in particular was six feet tall, three feet in diameter. And when you say diameter, you mean rolled up, not the opening, correct? Yes. So here's a little thing too. Kendrick measured five feet, 10 inches tall. Wow. All right. So his feet were sticking out. So he wouldn't have quite reached the bottom mm-hmm. when, while he was in the mat, just to give you a, a picture of what it looked like. So the body, the investigation, Kendrick was initially found upside down within the mat, right? That's where the students and that coach had found him. His shoes were not on his feet, but next to him within the mat. So when they saw his feet sticking out, they just saw white socks. 
his shoes were with him. And when you look at the pictures of how his shoes were found, and again, his body was moved, right? So we we don't have that image of the second he was found. It was after the coach pulled down the mat. But his shoes were like next to him, kind of by his legs. And both of them were together, like right next to each other. It's not like one was wedged on one side and one was wedged on the other. They look like they were put in there together. Right. And that could be because when they moved him, they just put him in there with him. You know what I mean? Because they fell out. But we don't know because they moved him. Right. But they weren't on his feet. They saw socks, not shoes. So yeah. And that's very strange. We'll talk more about that too. It's coming. So when he was within the mat, he had one arm stretched above his head and the other one was down by his waist. There was a black and white shoe found at the bottom of the mat. So within the mat with him, but at the bottom. Because he was upside down, there was blood that had pulled into his head, which makes sense, right? You're upside down for a long period of time. He was missing a whole day, right? Like, yeah, whole day overnight makes sense. But the blood had pulled from his head and leaked from his facial orifices. Unfortunately, he was bleeding out of his face. Here's the weird, I shouldn't say the first weird thing, but here's another weird thing about this. The blood that pulled on the ground beneath him, it did pool, but under the black and white shoe that was inside the mat with him. And you would think that if you're thinking of like, think of a cylinder, think Mm -hmm. gravity. The thing at the top is his foot, his body, then liquids coming out. It should go over the shoe. It should. It shouldn't be just beneath it. The shoe should not be relatively, it being beneath it does makes it look like it wasn't underneath of him originally. So that's another weird thing to keep in your mind, right? So a couple other just oddities that they found at the scene. There's a gray and black shoe with orange laces. And that's nearby. I want to say it was by the bleachers. Mm-hmm. And it had a red substance on it. His family confirms those are not his shoes. So he does not own a pair that look like that. Nothing to do with Kendrick. But still, there's a weird substance on it. Investigators say the red substance was not blood. Therefore, it was not collected for further analysis. Here's my question for you. I have never heard of any crime scene where all of the things that were found in proximity to the body were not just automatically collected as evidence. That seems very strange to me. So even if these shoes, the substance on them isn't blood, that doesn't mean that they're not useful in painting a picture of what exactly happened. Yeah. So my thought is it's a substance, right? It's a red substance. What if that red substance was found other places in the school, right? What if it was as simple as something happened in the art room? You know, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. What if there's so many ifs to the substance? Yeah. And does it have anything to do with Kendrick? Maybe not. But what if that same substance was on his shoe? Or whose shoes were those? Yeah. Right. Like, that's what's strange. And we'll talk about a little bit more. But like, Some of the students stored their shoes in other places because they didn't want to pay for lockers. And so it's possible that somebody just sat their shoes there or that maybe they fell off of another gym mat. So it could have been that. Yeah. But now we don't know. And that's the one thing that we're going to come to over and over again is that because it wasn't done right, we don't know. Yeah. And I can't say that if this was my loved one, that I wouldn't automatically think something nefarious because there's only so many times that you can insert an unnecessary unknown into a case where you start to go, this is too many. This is too many for this. You're either bad at your job or this is on purpose. Fair. Yeah. It's one of the two. There's those are the options, in my opinion. Like the ball was dropped far too many times in this case, and it's infuriating. Exactly. So. 
Another thing that was found at the scene, there was a Hollister gray sweatshirt. And now in certain pictures, it looks like there might be something on it, like a substance. It's really hard to tell because the pictures aren't up close to it. There's some where people have like zoomed in on it pretty hard and some believe, hey, this could be blood. It could be that red substance. Others are like, no, that's where a Hollister logo would go. So who could know? Because there's no reports of it being tested and it was not collected for evidence. Again, I'm confused. Yeah. This is your job. What better thing do you have to do than to do this properly? Fair. Now, another thing, this is the one that I was like, I don't like it. There was blood spatter on the wall inside the gym. Now, a couple things with this blood spatter. It was analyzed to an extent. What they ruled out is that it was not Kendrick's blood, but it was indeed blood. And I'm not saying that it's like a couple little drops of blood. Not that, you know, that's even okay in a school. But it is like blood that got onto a wall and then had enough blood to drip down. Yeah. And there's like, I want to think six to eight drips. It's not a gory scene, but it's enough where you look at it and go, what happened there? Exactly. So it was not Kendrick's, like I said, but they still chose not to collect it or to get any further information from this blood. We don't know, was there a fight in the gym? We don't know, maybe it's not Kendrick's, but what if someone related to Kendrick, like someone was hurting Kendrick and he fought back? You know, we have no idea where this blood came from, nor was it taken for any other additional analysis. And also, that's a lot of blood to be found in a school gym. You know, thinking about it, in school, if someone was bleeding, that was cleaned up immediately. It was noted somewhere that a child got hurt or an adult even for that matter. Like if someone got hurt on campus, it had to be noted. I will say that I saw several different interviews where they were like, gyms would be clean better than this. But when you look at pictures of the gym mats and in that area, you'll see trash just like all over the place back there. Like there's empty Gatorade bottles and there's empty bags of food. So it wasn't the cleanest space to begin with. Right. And from where it was located, to me, it looked like it was a place that was usually tucked behind the gym mats. And I can't imagine that the janitorial staff was like, time to drag these gym mats out and clean behind here. No, they're heavy. Yeah. And so I could see that. I think that what I found particularly alarming was that they found a bunch of bloody paper towels in a trash can that was like right off the gym. Or in the girl's bathroom, I believe. Yeah. And investigators were told that a girl had injured herself and that that's what that was from. And when they tested the blood again, they just tested it to see if it had anything to do with Kendrick. It didn't. So they went, okay, and moved on. But again, because they didn't test it further or look more into that, we're missing a part of a possible picture. Just because it's in the girl's bathroom doesn't mean it came from a girl, first off. And also, like, a girl could have been involved. <laughs> yeah, it, it leaves more questions than answers. And again, it's a gym, right? Of course, someone could have gotten hit in the face by a basketball and had a bloody nose. Like, that happens. A dodgeball, whatever it may be. But also... This should have been analyzed further or at least had a story. Oh, that was so-and-so that got hit in the face last week. It's still there. It was just a question left. And as you were a family member of Kendrick, you'd be like, I need every answer. I'm not a family member of Kendrick. And I'm like, give me every answer because I don't like how they left this family. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> I'm making myself angry. So the crime scene photos were taken by the investigators. There's been a number of different news sources that has covered this case and looked at these crime scene photos. And in one in particular, they noticed the investigators are taking a photo angled kind of down and you see the tips of their shoes, right? 
And the person doing the analysis was like, hey, and this is much later after the case, why weren't these people wearing protective booties? Them not wearing protection shows that they were okay contaminating the scene and or that they already ruled that it might have been an accident. And here's the thing. They cannot do that without investigating because somebody had to be the first police officer on the scene and they should have had booties on. I mean, if you look at the photos, you will see. But also just you can believe what we're saying. When you look at these photos, it is very clear that he is no longer alive. So when the police came, they knew that he wasn't alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they knew. So they knew they are investigating a death. Yeah. No, it was right away. Just like the student said, the smell was overwhelming. There was blood. I want to say there was vomit as well. Like they knew he was not alive anymore. So, okay. They're not wearing the protective booties. They're contaminating the crime scene. Just a couple of my thoughts, right? And this is me looking at far too many crime scene videos and pictures and everything. There's this photo of the body where it shows his like his feet and his socks when he's still inside the mat, but lying on the ground. And in my opinion, and again, this is just me looking at a photo. It looks like his right sock has something on the side of it. Almost looks like blood. And what I'm thinking of is like, okay, his face was bleeding. He was hanging upside down. How would blood get onto a sock? Was it maybe when they removed him? I don't know. But yeah, his body's just like, it's on the ground. And there's only, I've only seen it in some of these videos, I want to say. I haven't seen it brought up anywhere else, but it's still very weird to me. And I, I would have wanted to know how it got there. If it was indeed blood, I have no idea. Now, why were his shoes off was another question. And in my head, this is one of the things where I've argued with myself. I'm like, okay, if I'm stuck in a mat, I'm probably kicking and losing my mind, right? And maybe as he's flailing around, the the shoes fell. But also I'm thinking of if he is kicking and struggling and his feet are out, the shoes probably aren't going to fall in that hole. Not both of them, at least. Maybe one of them? Well, also, okay, and like, let's just take a moment. We're going to explain more into it, but the prevailing theory is that he fell into the gym mat while reaching for the pair of shoes that was at the bottom of it. And so the theory is that he fell into it and kicked his shoes off while trying to get out. There was like, there's been times in my life when the trend was that you wore your shoes a little looser, like the laces. That's fair, but he's an athlete. But even still, they're not that loose. That's not what I'm trying to do. Because if anything, those shoes are going to help me get out because I'm going to get more traction than I am with socks. So... It doesn't really make sense that his shoes would just come off. And it looks like the type of shoe that it is, is it comes up a little bit higher on the ankle. Yeah. Like it's not like a high top by any means, but it looks like it would hit his ankle bone. If he were to have them laced all the way up, I don't see how they would have come off because they're an ankle shoe. Right. Right. So another thing that just made me upset is there's an interview that was done much later with Harold Kopis, and he's an Atlanta private investigator. And as he's looking at this crime scene information, he's like, that should have been bagged and tagged. So and he's talking about the shoes, the sweatshirt, all of that. And I agree, like every single item just to rule out further questions that the family could have. They just had it in their head. This happened. It's an accident. We don't care to explain how it happened. It's an accident in our heads. Yeah. And it was too soon to do it so quickly and then to be kind of aggressive about how you feel about it. The sheriff, Chris Prine, he refused to discuss it with CNN when they were trying to interview him. And he was pissed off. He was rude. And they were like, why won't you talk about this? And he's like, because I don't want to. And it was like, you get that this is somebody's child, right? He doesn't care. It's very, very clear. He did not care about the Johnsons. Like he did not. 
and you cannot convince me otherwise because you would not respond that way. It was without tact, without kindness. Do better, my dude. But also, this is a child. This is a 17-year-old child. Everyone should want to help a child. So here's another weird thing that I discovered very late one night. So I found some of his family's Facebook page where they had shared a lot of Kendrick pictures, thoughts. They had a couple Facebook pages like about like justice for Kendrick, things like that, right? So I kind of fell down a rabbit hole. And there was one photo that one of his family members shared where it showed a picture of his left ear and it almost looked slashed. I have not seen this photo anywhere else, nor can I confirm that that is indeed Kendrick's ear. But in the post, they even said like something happened to his ear falling in a cushy gym mat I don't think would slice an ear but again it's close up I can't confirm that that is Kendrick's ear but it was shared by a family member of his so you can make that decision whether it was or not but I haven't seen that come up anywhere else that his ear I don't know it was hard to tell but it looks slashed to me also the photos that I've seen of his face it's very swollen and they look differently shaped we're like yeah when you see pictures of someone who has been badly beaten it looks very similar and that's because of swelling. There's swelling here and discoloration. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying he was beaten. I'm not saying he wasn't beaten. But at the very bare minimum, his face is swollen in the same way where someone who was beaten's face would be swollen. Yeah. Which includes your ears, which would also swell. And they look strange. And depending on how you were laying, there could be indentations. Yeah, there's a lot of different things. And also being upside down for that long. Yeah. You know, it gets uncomfortable being upside down for just a couple seconds, let alone how long he was. So one other just detail to note. So Georgia law states that the coroner should be notified immediately when a body is discovered. However, authorities did not call them for around six hours from what I found. I saw that too. And I think we both saw that the reason given was they were like, oh, we didn't want to make them wait around. And it's like, that's their job. Yeah, you're not inconveniencing anybody by making them do a standard part of their job. Mm -hmm. That should just be part of it. And so I feel like that not having someone who is the advocate for the body be there. Yes. You know, and, and I don't know if that's the right phrase to use, but like, their job is to figure everything out with the body. Yeah. And you did not have that person there. Yeah. And so let's talk about why he was in the map. So as Amanda mentioned, they just returned from winter break. And during break, some of the mats were moved around. Not only were they moved around and some were added, but the mats, from what I understand, used to be horizontal most of the time. There were a couple that were vertical. Most were horizontal. There wasn't as many mats. Oh, so that would make sense for them to store them that way. And then especially if during winter break, they got more, they would need to put them up so that this way they could store them. Exactly. So my thought is maybe, and again, I can't, this was like a a comment on something. Yeah. It wasn't like a, a reputable article that said how these mats were that I could find. I did try to Google it. But if that is the case, if he used to store his shoes in a mat that was horizontal, he could easily reach in. Yeah. And then once he comes back and he's like, oh, I can't get to it. So some think that he was looking for his gym shoes and that the reason why he was looking for it then was because they had block scheduling. And so it wasn't altogether surprising that he hadn't looked for his shoes yet because he wouldn't have had gym that first day. He probably had it the next day or the following day. I've gone to a school like that where you didn't have the same class every single day. So that makes sense. It is so confusing, though. Yeah, I think that's pretty common for high school. Like lots of schools have different ones. Kendrick and some of the other students kept their shoes in that area to avoid paying locker fees. 
who makes kids pay for lockers, though? If you are taking gym, that is frustrating to me. Yeah, it's the American school system where school lunch debt is a thing. So I'm not surprised, but it's silly. But the lockers are there anyways. And it just makes me so angry because if this is the case, let's say it was an accident. We're going to talk more about it. But let's say it was an accident. Them being stingy on lockers caused a kid to die. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's not okay. Okay, and so this is what people thought. They think that he was storing his shoes in the mat. If they were once horizontal, that means that they probably once sat them there, right? They were just sitting them inside. That's different. But I've seen other sources where they say that they would kind of like throw them on top so that the mat part that was flat, they would kind of land on there. Yeah, I don't know how it was, whether it was inside horizontally or yeah, maybe they did throw them on top and one accidentally made it into the hole. It's hard to say. Yeah. And so we don't know like the interesting ways that kids stored shoes in this school. So we don't exactly know. But it's thought that Kendrick had reached down into the mat for his shoe and fell, which makes literally zero sense. Because why would you reach from the top of a mat six feet down? Because the shoe's not going to be in the middle. Well, it could like get stuck because it wasn't like it's an odd shape right it's an odd shape but the shoe can't be that big it's either small enough where a shoe can get stuck or big enough that a person can fit in but it cannot be both well let's talk about the diameter real quick yeah so the diameter was 14 inches across right but Kendrick was 19 inches broad so tell me how that works all I could think of is it's a squishy mat it cannot be that squishy and and when he right, it wasn't his shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, because when he had one arm up, one arm down, your shoulders as I'm doing it in front of Lindsay, but your shoulders kind of get smaller, right? But also, I don't know if it gets that much smaller, not that much smaller, but also to so say you're on another mat reaching into this one. That means you're on like a level surface falling into a hole that's level with where you are you're not falling from like a height into something you're kind of falling sideways right a little bit more so i would imagine like the top part of you would get stuck and then you would pull yourself back up it's an incredibly hard sell for me to think that all five ten inches of kendrick fell down into a place that was too tight for him to fit to begin with it, it makes zero sense and also i like i was like already like this doesn't make any sense but i was looking on reddit and there's a comment from throwaway go vikings and they said actually they usually stored the shoes under the outer mats in a bunch of like 15 to 20 mats. And what they would do is they just lifted up the outer part of the mat and they would put their shoes there. And then they would also do the same thing when they were going to grab it. So he had done that and that he was probably sitting on top of the mats because that was more common and that his shoe had fell while he was sitting up there that he was holding and he tried to grab it. And then that's when he fell in. I can get behind that a little bit more, but it still makes no sense on how all five, 10 inches of him could fall fall into a space that's six feet like it just doesn't make sense to me I will say too just because I did reach out to two different teachers right and I didn't tell them why I was just asking probably very strange questions about how gym mats work right as we sometimes do to the people that we love for this show as we do and they just answer blindly now they're just like what is she asking me this time why so I will say both teachers instantly said they don't buy it after I explained why I asked the strange questions about mats. 
what I wanted to understand is if someone was in a mat struggling, wouldn't the mat topple over? You know, if they, if, especially if his legs were out, like I could see if his whole body was inside that mat where he couldn't move at all, but his, his feet were still out. So at one point that leads me to believe maybe his legs were still out. And so as he's flailing, I would assume he was fla- flailing, I would be, that maybe it could move a little bit or at least make some noise, right? And hit another mat or knock another mat over. But this didn't happen. And so when I explained it to the two teachers, they both said, this doesn't sound right. Because as, you know, teachers that have to move these around, they said some of them are over 100 pounds and it takes two adults to move them. But not all of them are that way. One of my teacher friends, Nora, actually said that they used to play inside the mats in high school and they would play around and go inside of them and roll them up. But someone would, you know, be there to help them out. So I'm like this innocent thing that a lot of people and a lot of students do see as just kind of fun to play with has the potential of killing someone. But also when you explain the situation to someone who's around those mats frequently, they're like, that doesn't happen. Like that can't happen. And all my years of teaching, all the years my school's been open, you know, things like that. That doesn't happen. And it it is a relatively common thing to have in every gym, right? They're common gym supplies. Like you say gym mat, people know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, at least in the States, right? Like they're commonplace there. I think when researching this, one of the most grotesque things was there's a video on YouTube where someone does the mat test. Yeah. And they call it the mat test. They call it the mat test and the person is talking to a child and they're they're clearly in a gym where things are going on. Like there's other kids running around like it's a busy gym and they've got a kid who says his name and says he's a wrestler. And then he goes to that high school, which, you know, that tells me that tells me he's a minor with no parent present during this. Let's start there. And there's like a younger woman with him that also looks like a high school student. And what they're testing is whether it would be hard to knock it over and if you could hear someone scream from the inside of it. So they put the kid in this gym mat and they put him standing up and he's screaming and you can hear it, but it's really muffled. And in a busy gym, you could see how you couldn't hear it. And he's also rocking back and forth trying to knock it over and he can't. And this kid looked like he was substantially smaller than Kendrick, but they put this kid in the mat and the kid's kind of awkward laughing and he's smiling while this is happening and the person who's narrating it is like oh we're, we're seeing if this could happen to oh what's his name and he forgets Kendrick's name like as he's describing like why they're doing this and it's this very kind of hits you you're like oh why yeah it's like it hits you in this very cringe way where you're like no one asked you to do this and if you were going to do this at least do it respectfully and safely because there was no like medical professional nearby where you could see because if Kendrick died from it being in this mat then putting another child in a mat is a bad idea it made me mad for like a host of reasons but it was just an unnecessary and grotesque display of complete disregard for the fact that someone actually died died the one thing though what like you said when he was upside down in the mat though you could not hear him on that camera. And the camera was picking up, I think, pretty good sound. So I know a lot of people online are like, if he was screaming, that gym had kids in it. And we'll talk more about that coming up. But if he was screaming, it's not necessarily true that they would have hurt him. Yeah. Say I believed it. I believed everything else. And I don't. I don't think that you could have heard somebody through a gym mat screaming just from even one layer of a gym mat screaming behind that. I don't think that you would hear it. Right. That's why I thought if he was rocking and hit another gym mat, that would be a loud enough sound to like at least make kids look. So let's talk about after officials took the body. It was taken and an autopsy was performed. 
Now, a couple things that I thought was interesting. There were two different coroner reports. I did find a news article that had what the report stated. And so the second report states, I do not approve of the manner this case was handled. Not only was the scene compromised, the body was moved, which we know it was moved at least once. Maybe it was moved again. The integrity was breached by opening a sealed body bag. Information necessary for my lawful investigation was withheld. The first report, the comment section, was empty. This was the second report. Yeah. The dates were dated January 15th, 2013 and January 22nd, 2013. So I'm like, that's weird. Yeah, that's strange. So the autopsy report, the date was May 2nd, 2013. And the cause of death was ruled positional asphyxia. I had not heard of that before this. Even though there is, and we'll talk about it a little bit, there's another high, very high profile case where the cause of death was listed as positional asphyxia. Had you ever heard of it before this? I feel like I had heard of it, but I didn't 100% understand what it meant. And just like based off of the the name, I'm like, okay, they're positioned weird and they died from it. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, I did look it up, it is like, yeah, when your position prohibits you from breathing and you can suffocate. Yeah. Which is terrifying, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, also, when I was looking at it, there was a mortician that made a video. Mm-hmm. And they had mentioned that it's very uncommon to die that way outside of young children. And they considered SIDS as that. So like you think SIDS, you think baby. Yeah. So like a lot of young children die that way or when they get caught in stuff or when they're doing silly things and fall into stuff. Yeah, children. But you don't think adults, right? Teenagers, adults. Yeah. Well, and also 48% of car seat deaths are from positional asphyxia. Yes. So it's a thing that exists that just, you know, I don't think it registered unless it registers. But here's the other interesting time where it's seen. When people are restrained on their stomach and are prone, your body has a hard time breathing. If force is then applied, that makes it even harder to breathe. So and I think the most noteworthy case of this that's been officially accepted is the murder of George Floyd in the murder trial of Derek Chauvin, because there were five different medical professionals that said positional asphyxia, including the doctor from the ER. And so when we're thinking of the positions that people die in from positional asphyxia, just from like what I've seen from here, right, it's people who were forced into a certain position and can't move. And that position causes them to not be able to breathe. I don't know if that makes sense here. Because if he could physically fit in the mat, wouldn't there just be enough space for him? Like he wouldn't run out of oxygen, would he? I think it's from being upside down and possibly the oxygen as well. Only because think about it. If he's stuck, right? Like he's like a plug in this tube against the ground. That's fair. Maybe he didn't have enough air or it was very thin. It was hard to breathe. And like it is squishy. And think about wrapping yourself tightly in something squishy like that could restrict. That's fair. It's just when I from what I've seen, it's generally a situation where there is another force that's pressing the air out of you or you're placed in a position where like your body can't expand to get air. Yeah. When I was researching this, there was also... I believe it was a Lithuanian case study on a truck driver where they were looking at like whether he could have died in a certain way. And he was basically like doubled over and he died from positional asphyxia in that position as well. Interesting. And yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, you hear something for the first time and then you hear it all different types of places. I think this is going to be like that where we're going to hear more and more cases of it once you've heard of it once. So that was listed as the cause of death for him. So 
back to this autopsy report. No significant injuries were identified. It noted decomposition. And I did read somewhere, too, that possibly because being inside that mat, he might have decomposed a little faster because it was probably hot and like trapped air. Yeah. So makes sense. Accompanying the body lying on and across the upper chest is a set of white with black wire earphones or earbuds. One of the attaching wires is broken. So that was just on there. So note, he died with his earbuds. Evidence of injury is left blank. Blunt force injury is noted. Notes of a superficial abrasion on the wrist, small superficial abrasions on his finger. And then at the bottom, it says... In my opinion, the cause of death in this case is positional asphyxia, and the manner of death is accident. Woof. Okay. So I have so many problems with this autopsy report, and I think it's because it doesn't really make sense, right? It doesn't click in your brain as like, this makes sense. So with it being ruled an accident here, there was a lot that came of that. His family did not like that. I don't like that, right? So of course... It sparred protests. It had a lot of public interest. At one point, I'll, I'll even note, the group Anonymous made a video. And it's kind of like eerie when you watch it. I don't know if you got that those vibes. All Anonymous vi- videos are eerie. They are. Yeah. But if you want like a quick and dirty, here are like the top things that are sketch about this case. It's a good watch. When we do our sources, we'll put this one at the top. Because when I watched it, I was like, ugh. Like just over and over and over again, because you're just like, yeah, those are my questions. You've got all my questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's frightening. But think of all the people that brought to this case, right? Yes. I think it made it more widely known. I mean, it was already like gaining traction because his family, which like 10 out of 10, like you want answers, be loud. You should be loud because Kendrick couldn't be, you know? And we learned that when we were talking about the Texas killing fields, right? That's the first thing they told one of the families is you can't let everyone forget it or they will. Yes. And so the protest signs, one of the ones that I see lots of pictures of is a picture of Kendrick alive. And I believe it was a picture of him from the funeral home that is like beside it where they were walking around the streets like you are going to look at him and you are going to remember him. And I mean, again, I'm never going to forget that photo. No. And so there's a visceral response to Kendrick's family. A lot of people have very strong negative feelings towards them. We're not going to go into that. I don't even want to give a voice to that at all because I don't think it's necessary or relevant to the discussion. I think that our law enforcement system in America has made it abundantly clear that you have to advocate for your loved ones because they're not going to. And I mean, I'm not saying that's in every case. Just in most. I mean, look, we're looking at just numbers here. Like, yeah, it's very, very clear. And one of the biggest questions here is that if Kendrick had been a white kid, would it have been handled differently? And it's a valid and important question. And the problem is that we won't know, which it's gross. And can you imagine you lose your kid, right? That's already devastating. And then you have to wonder, did they not care about my baby because he was black? That's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I'm tearing up. I always get emotional whenever I talk about parents. I can't imagine, like, I don't have children, so I'm not going to say that I can even, like, really fathom, like, what that hurt would be. But to have to worry about that on top of losing your kid yeah, is fundamentally unjust. I feel as angry, you know, like I understand their anger for this, not saying that I've gone through it, 
But looking at what happened and that answers cannot be given, where if some, you know, something does happen to someone, generally it's like an airtight case. It's like, okay, we ruled that out. We searched this. We took this. We had DNA evidence of this. And you're like, okay, at least I can put my mind at ease that it was an accident. No one could have interjected themselves to help stop this. It was a full on accident. It will still hurt. I'd say just as much in my opinion. It'll still be the worst thing that you're ever going to go through. But at least you know it was an accident and that's it. Yes. But here you're like, I wonder. And they will always wonder until this, you know, until something will come of it. It is a healthy part of grief, right? We need like the five stages of grief. One of them is denial. And I think a lot of people think that denial is like they didn't die. Sometimes denial can manifest as they didn't die from this thing, right? Or it wasn't natural. It wasn't an accident. When my grandmother passed, she died of pneumonia. She was like literally the toughest woman I've ever met in my entire life. Amanda. She bit her tongue off when she was a child. They picked it up, sewed it back on. Breast cancer, uterine cancer, skin cancer. She was a badass. She had nine miscarriages. She had cellulitis. That cellulitis turned to MRSA. They removed all the skin, fat, and tissue from her knee to her ankle. She was 74 years old. They did skin grafts from her thigh. She healed completely and lived independently after this. That's incredible. Then she had to get a valve replacement. Her heart exploded like during it. Like that's how the cardiologist described it. It exploded. They fixed it. And then she was in rehab and she died of pneumonia. And I couldn't fathom that. That didn't didn't make any sense. Pneumonia couldn't kill her. Yeah. Did you just hear what I said? She's a superhero. Pneumonia couldn't kill her. Yeah. Not that. That couldn't be why. It had to be something else. And so I think so often when we hear like that denial part, we think it's they're not dead. But it's also part like you question every detail. And I would hope that every parent would go like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And they would work through it. And as like a natural part of their grieving process, they would ask these questions. It's okay to ask those questions, too. Yeah. And you absolutely should ask those questions. And they don't have answers. And that's what you were just saying. Like, it's so shitty. They don't have answers. And that's like, I think it's going to kill them. You know, like it's it's eating their insides every day. Yeah. And that's why there's so many conspiracy theories. And I think that's one of the reasons why, like, this is such a discussed case is because there's so many holes and there's so many. What if you would have gotten this data and that data and this data and that data? It wouldn't look so strange that there's all these holes. Yeah. But okay. So his family, zealous advocates, they worked towards getting a second autopsy. So in June of 2013, a county judge grants his family permission to exhume his body to have a private autopsy done. So his family hires William Anderson to perform the second autopsy. And so he's a medical examiner from Florida, and he's actually very experienced. He'd performed over 6,000 autopsies at that point, which that blows my mind how anyone That's could do that. That's a lot of death to encounter. But so the autopsy report from Anderson says that he died from, quote, unexplained, apparent, non-accidental blunt force trauma. And when I read that, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Because how I I walked into this case, I had seen it on the news years ago, right? Yeah. And as I see it, it always has caught my attention, but I haven't deep dove into it before. Yeah. And I kind of tried to go in chronological order and go from like oldest news sources and then work my way to today. And so when I got to this part, I'm like thinking of that family going, I can't believe it's an accident. I can't believe it's an accident. And then, oh my God, it wasn't an accident. Yeah. Well, and also let's take a moment. 
private autopsy comes back. Now, yeah, the family's paying Anderson to perform the autopsy, but they're not paying for certain results, right? They're just paying for a scientist to be a scientist for them. Yes? Okay. So at this point, they don't reopen Kendrick's case, right? No, they don't. And that is a red flag to me. The fact that an independent medical examiner came in and went, no, this is non-accidental. And the fact that they went, no, is strange. But let's talk about some other things that were strange. So there was blunt force trauma to the right side of his neck. There was acute hemorrhage to the soft tissue on his upper neck area. There was also hemorrhaging to his right mandible. So think jaw area. Mm -hmm. There was also other hemorrhages found in his like neck jaw area. At first, I'm like, okay, well, what if he was struggling? But that's a soft mat. If he was struggling in like, I don't know, a metal cylinder maybe or some other type of cylinder or if he had like hard headphones in and it like dug into his neck i could see like that maybe yeah but that's strange right like that's okay and so no way he looks at the initial autopsy and he's like this doesn't make sense for it to be positional asphyxia because there would have been fluid in the lungs and they don't note that i wonder if it's because he was upside down though that it couldn't travel to the lungs does that make sense yeah i don't know if it could have drained I don't know. But he was like, it doesn't make sense what they have written down for the pulmonary system Hmm. Okay, to match this cause of death, which I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. And you would think like, oh, he should then go look at the organs, correct? That's what I would think. But one of the first things that Anderson noticed was that all the organs were missing. And replaced with? JCPenney ads, Black Friday circulars, newspaper. He had been filled with newspaper. And that right there, I I actually was like, what? And I paused and I had to stop what I was doing to Google around and go, is this something that happens? They filled him with trash. Because I had never heard of that. And I have friends that work in the funeral industry. And I was like, what? Yeah. And so that was incredibly strange to me. And so I tried to look up Georgia like medical examiner guidelines and practices and funeral home guidelines to see like, what do they require for organs, right? Because in my brain as a lay person, you return the body as you got it, right? Minus any evidence. Evidence for things taken to test later. Yeah. But when I was looking at Georgia's guidelines, I couldn't find them. So I looked at Florida's because that's where Anderson primarily worked out of just to kind of like get a, a local area kind of like vibe. And it looks like in, in a lot of jurisdictions, you you might actually might not need to get familial or like next of kin consent to dispose of the organs so long as you take samples from them. And what I'm thinking, too, is everyone ruled this as an accident, right? They're like, mm hmm. Case closed, accident, it doesn't matter what we do. And I, again, I told you, I stopped what I was doing to see if this was common. And I found a really good YouTube video. It's called Mortician's Talk. And they discussed it. So it's a bunch of people that work in the funeral industry. And they're like, no, that is not normal. But they had heard of old time funeral directors doing that. So it seems like it was just like a cheap old practice that was done. And it was like, maybe they were lazy or maybe they just didn't want to use the proper materials. Okay, and I want to add this as well, and I'm actually recording this after recording our episode for Kendrick Johnson, but I reached out to a friend who works in the funeral industry because I was still not satisfied with the information that I found surrounding the newspaper in his body cavity. And special thank you to Stacy for taking the time to talk to me about it. But she immediately responded, no, never. She's never heard of it either. And 
<laughs> wanted me to know that they typically use cotton in places like your nostrils, ears, mouth to stop mild potential purging that would come up. But she hadn't heard of newspaper, but she also did say she could see why they used it. They may have not wanted the body cavity, especially because it was missing organs, to look sunken in. But there are much better materials that could have been used. Typically, they would put the organs either back in the body or in a visceral bag. And again, we, me and you know that that didn't happen here. Still unclear why. She also spoke with people that have been doing embalming for a long time to see if they had heard of it. And they had... But their response was, it seems like it was a cheap way to cut corners, and it's definitely not widely used. So I learned a bit about how a funeral home runs, though, and it was very, very interesting. Again, I, I would think out of respect for anyone, you shouldn't be filling them with garbage. Yeah. But maybe, you know, a long time ago, that was the industry standard before things changed and evolved. But again, if that's not the standard at this time, you don't do it. Exactly. And this is another point where his parents go, that's shady. Because it is shady that his organs are gone. You can't and can't be tested again. Yeah. Can't be tested. And here's the other part. The Georgia Bureau of Investigations claimed that his organs have been put back into his body after the first autopsy. And the medical examiner's office works underneath that bureau. And so they said it went to the funeral home. The funeral home said, quote, the coroner said the organs were sent to the funeral home because they were too decomposed and they were disposed of beforehand. So they said that they received a body that didn't have any organs. Interesting. And so each one's like, it was them. And I looked on the Georgia Board of Medical Examiners like FAQs and they didn't include any notes about organ disposal, which I would actually I would wonder that if my loved one was getting an autopsy. Mm -hmm. But so Anderson himself, I thought that was an it was interesting to get an out of state medical examiner. I'm not quite sure why they chose him or not. But it's interesting because in 2002, authorities actually looked into Anderson because he was working as a medical examiner in Orange County, Florida. And at the time, he was the only certified medical examiner there. And he ruled that a woman had died as a result of a methadone withdrawal. And in that particular county, like very recently, there had been a multi-million dollar lawsuit because a woman had died of methadone withdrawal while in police custody. And so they looked into him because they wanted to be like, this isn't true. You didn't just say that, that we did it again. Right. Mm, yeah. And so any kind of like suspicion I saw about him seemed to be circulating around that case where people wanted to call into question the veracity of his report because it seemed like the county didn't want that to be true. Right. Well, that and then I just feel like a lot of the people in like Kendrick's case was like, well, he can't be right. And this is why. And you're like, out of 6,000 that he had done, like, no. Exactly. Exactly. So we've added a ton of weird stuff, right? I'm going to add something else weird. Surveillance footage. So this school had surveillance cameras all over. And in October of 2013, a judge ordered the release of the surveillance video and the investigative documents. In that same month, Michael Moore, who's a U.S. attorney for the Middle District of Georgia, announced a formal review of the case, which we're like, OK, good. We're going to review it. Good, good, good. We're going to see what's going on. We got video footage. We have another autopsy. We have a lot going on right now. So here is the best thing that I've found around the surveillance footage, because I did watch everything that was released, right? But CNN reviewed the footage, and they also hired a guy named Grant Fredericks and his team to analyze the footage. So he did a deep dive analysis of it, and I loved what he had to say. What Fredericks said, quote, 
those files are not original files. Those are not something that an investigator should rely on for the truth of the video. They have been altered in a number of ways, primarily in image quality and likely in dropped information, information lost. There are also a number of files that are corrupted because they've not been processed correctly and are not playable. So first off, that's not right, right? Yeah. And then he believes it's likely due to the way that the investigators got the video, right? And I'm like, what does that mean? Well, what they did is they left it up to the school district to basically provide the video. And I guess typically you would send your investigators to retrieve the video themselves, their technology. They go in, think of like Garcia going into their system, grabbing all their information, whatever she wanted. They didn't do it that way. I mean, that is a lot like, say there was a robbery at a pawn shop. That's a lot like going to the pawn shop and saying, can you hand me the relevant footage? And then they give you the relevant footage. No, you ask for all of the footage. Right. So what they asked for, they asked the school board's information technology worker for a copy of the surveillance video from that entire wing of the school that included that old gym for the last 48 hours. Which, okay, sure, but also they should have went and retrieved it, not said, hey, can you send me that when you get some time? It's, I will go down and get it right this moment before anyone has time to mess with it. Yeah, that was not done. So hear this, five days later, the IT worker provided the detectives with a hard drive. So, you know, he downloaded whatever he felt like it, right? Like, it leaves that question, not saying he did that, but it leaves the question of, did he provide everything and the stuff that's corrupt? Was it corrupt or was it purposefully corrupted? And also, again, this is like, if we're at five days out, that means that four days ago, they already determined that this was an accident without even reviewing all the evidence. Right. Well, and, and another thing, too, according to the incident report, once the detective got the hard drive, they wrote, we got the requested information. But as Frederick said, he said this quote, you don't want somebody who might be partly to the responsibility to make the decision to what they provide to the police. Because think of it, the school, it happened on school campus, right? Yeah. That's not a good thing to have happen at your school, right? So that, and then also here's another thing that I hate. I hate this so much. There are four cameras in the gym and they record motion and it starts recording when the lights are turned on in the morning all the way to when they're they're done for the day when they're turned off. Now, it didn't record where the mats were. That's one where I'm like, hmm, why? Motion activated cameras. You would think every time a student walks in or out, it should be on, right? Or just record the whole thing, you know, record all of it. But anyways, four cameras. Here's what Fredericks put. Camera one recorded images from the start of the day till 12.04 p.m. Then nothing. It comes back at 1.09 p.m. An hour, right? Camera two records until 11.05 a.m. Doesn't come back till 1.15 p.m. Camera three records also till 11.05 a.m. Doesn't come back till 1.16 p.m. Last camera, camera four records until 12.04 p.m. And comes back at 1.09 p.m. They're all missing that whole time. You know, like the time between 12.04 to 1.09 is missing on all accounts. That is strange. I will say, too, one of the things that about the, the security camera footage was they described how the motion activation, like what it would need to capture, like you would have to be relatively close to the camera mm -hmm. for it to take actual video and not like a still, if you will. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because when you think about like I have like a ring doorbell and we're not sponsored by ring, but we could be. But <laughs> if you have like something really far away. It's not going to pick it up. But if like someone walks to your door, it's going to turn on. Yeah. And you can adjust that, by the way. Oh, I have. 
I pick up cars going by. I want to know everything. A <laughs> raccoon walks on the street. I want to know about it. But you would think that a school surveillance system would just show all the time, right? Like, that's what my brain would go. You would think. You wouldn't think that it would have to be motion activated. I'm like, just leave it on. Well, exactly. They should have. Yeah, I hate it. But there's a little over an hour missing and I don't like it. And here's the thing. They should have been recording that time because the camera outside the gym. So there's one that like looks at the gym doors, like where you can walk into it. Mm -hmm. There's students walking in and out of the gym. So like if they walked in during that time, that camera should have triggered on. Yeah. And he couldn't tell if it just didn't record. Someone made an error. It didn't capture. Maybe it just didn't capture to the hard drive when they were like putting it onto the hard drive or that they simply didn't provide it. No one knows. And it makes me so incredibly angry that this is a question, right? Because it it should be tangible, easy to get information. And it's not there. Now, another thing, and I'm waving my arms. I'm so angry. So not only did that happen where the camera outside sees students entering, CNN also noticed that the camera times didn't match up with each other. So it looks like the hall camera looks to be about 10 minutes ahead. And we don't know which time is correct. Is it the ones in the gym? Is it the one in the hallway? What freaking time was it when these kids were walking into a gym where someone died? Another thing, just going to keep getting angry. Fredericks said basically, it's suspicious. I would rule this as suspicious until I had the entire recording system in my hand to figure out myself. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Right. Have you noticed that we have not gotten to a single arena of evidence or investigation where something hasn't been messed up, like a single area where things were just done right? Right. Exactly. And so you don't know who was in that gym before he gets in there. You don't know anything. Yeah. And what if there's a potential witness that you know was in that gym and they don't want to talk about it? So let's talk about the actual footage. You could look at this. It's on YouTube, right? There's footage of him inside the hallway entering the gym. So that hallway camera, the camera says 1259 right outside the gym entrance. Then conveniently enough, it kicks on inside the gym as he runs in. He jogs inside the gym. There's other students playing basketball. The camera says 109 p.m. Now, any of those cameras, right, camera one through four, were not recording until 1.09 p.m. That's when Kendra comes in, yet students were playing basketball. There are two angles of him entering the gym. Oh, yeah. Right? You can't see the mats. It's like angles facing Kendrick, almost like the entrance. So you see him kind of jog quickly towards the mats, but he goes off camera. But if these people were playing basketball, right? And that camera said 109 p.m. And I, you know, I was looking at it while CNN was looking at it too. And it does say 109. And, you know, it says the, the exact time with the seconds too, but I just put 109. But when they said that they had the opportunity to view the full videos... And that they didn't even come back until 1.09 p.m.? That doesn't make sense. Why? So why can't we know who was in the gym that day? Why can't we know who's entered the gym before for that hour before Kendrick went in? Yeah, because they would have gotten to the gym somehow. Yes, and there's students playing basketball. That is motion. It is erratic motion playing basketball. So it should have triggered. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're looking at the video, the students who are playing basketball are closer to the camera than Kendrick is. So they appear larger. So that should have that would have triggered more than Kendrick. Well, for a second, because he enters like they're playing basketball kind of in front of him. So he enters and he kind of goes to if you're looking at them to their right and goes towards the. Yeah. Yeah. But they're certainly taking up a bigger part of the screen and it's multiple people that would have. Exactly. 
I mean, any camera should have just been like, woo. Right. And I could have seen like if it was students sitting, doing their homework, reading, doing mm-hmm. something like that, where they're not really moving around. Okay, sure. Yeah, they were static. Sure. Maybe maybe it didn't pick up their little bits of movement. But basketball, they should have. And it makes me so angry that they didn't send someone to get these videos. They just went with what they were provided. And what if that has everything you need? Yeah. And I mean, again, this is just another example of how they dropped the ball. And because we don't have answers, we assume suspect things because they're either really bad at their jobs or there's something fishy going on. So it's because of all of this that Kendrick's family files multiple lawsuits and they file them against dozens of people. Mm-hmm. And again, they were under high scrutiny. The lawsuits were for very high amounts. I think this was so that they got attention so that people looked at it. But some of the defendants they included were the former sheriff, Chris Prine, school officials, sheriff's office officials, the County Board of Education, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and several of their agents, the city of Valdosta, the state medical examiner and their office, the chief of Valdosta police, and the superintendent of Lowndes County. And so it's interesting because they get scrutiny. People are like, they just wanted money from this. And I'm like, look, (laughs) we live in a messed up society. The only way to make sure that people who do things wrong in our country don't do them again is to arrest them or fine them, right? Like those are the ways, right? You're either imprisoned or fined and you can't imprison the entire Georgia Bureau of Investigation. You can't imprison the sheriff's office, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that you hold them responsible is fiscally. So I actually, I don't find that problematic at all. And so I looked for the filings on this and could not find any of the original filings, which annoyed me because I wanted to take a look at like what exactly was in there. So Amanda mentioned that the Justice Department opened a case for Kendrick to see if there were civil rights violations. So the Justice Department ended up closing their case because they said that they could not find sufficient evidence to support federal criminal charges. And that's because there's no evidence (laughs) the evidence they didn't handle the evidence right and there's no way of going back and getting the evidence that they left behind you know like it's just so frustrating so in 2018 kendrick was exhumed for a second time for a third autopsy and this again was performed by william anderson and so what's interesting is from everything i've seen there's not a third autopsy report there's a revised second autopsy report with the september 2018 addendum and so it includes a few different things the first thing it includes is it talks about the organ samples and an analysis of them to see if anything different is found and from what i saw i didn't see any giant differences did you No. Another part that they talk about is they include examinations of the soft tissue of the neck, the right thorax, and the jaw. And from all of the analyses of the autopsy, it looks like that this autopsy just confirms what the second autopsy had already found. So there was an interesting article from WALB 10 News, and it talks about the third autopsy and how they did an addendum to the second autopsy, which both of them, of course, contradict the first autopsy. And and one, I want to point out how horrific is it to have to have your loved one dug up multiple times in, in the family's account? Yeah. Around the same time, right, this article that I'm looking at was November 15th of 2018 and updated the following day. 
And it has an affidavit. And the reason why I say this is because the affidavit kind of plays along with what happened in these second and third autopsies, right? The affidavit was provided by Kendrick's parents on February 9th. So shortly after the whole thing took place, 2018, a witness gave their testimony that someone they knew had killed Kendrick. When I found this affidavit the first time, like I put it to the side and I was like, we need to look at this because this is big. So a lot of the information on the affidavit is removed, redacted, because I'm assuming they're under 18, right? The names, the ages, who they're discussing. But I think it's important to go through it. The person who gave this affidavit, their information is redacted. So I will just say blank where it's blanked out, okay? So it starts, I met blank in April 2016 and on one occasion was with blank at blank apartment in blank, which blank told me that blank killed Kendrick Johnson. According to Blank, Blank and Kendrick Johnson were in the gym where an argument between Blank and Kendrick took place. The argument was about or over Blank. And I've read some things outside of this saying that there might have been something going on with a girl. Okay. Don't know if that's true. But I mean, high school, right? Yeah. According to Blank, Blank was taking steroids at the time and out of a, quote, roid rage, quote, or the effects of the steroids, Blank struck Kendrick Johnson in the neck with a 45-pound weight or dumbbell. Blank stated that Blank said to Blank that the aforementioned blow may have broken Kendrick Johnson's neck. According to Blank, Blank was a witness to the fight and Blank told Blank that if Blank didn't keep quiet and help Blank move Kendrick Johnson's body, Blank, blank, now blank would make sure blank would pay for it and in suffer some form of retaliation. Sorry, there's so many blanks here. But blank told me that blank got in touch with blank after being notified of the fight and Kendrick Johnson's death. Blank told me that blank got in touch with blank. Blank also told me that blank got in touch with another blank who in some way facilitated the editing of the high school's surveillance video by corrupting or deleting some one hour, 25 minutes of the original recording. Shortly thereafter, Blank, Blank changed Blank's story by saying that it was not Blank, who in some way facilitated the editing of the high school surveillance video, but it was someone who Blank that was responsible for the editing of the video you see already. Blank also told me that after Kendrick Johnson's death, that his organs were removed and newspapers placed in the cavity so as to interfere with any efforts to establish the correct time of death or to otherwise disclose any other injuries. Blank also told me that the autopsy was falsely documented. I mean, that kind of puts everything in a nice little bow, doesn't it? Because, you know, you talk about like, oh, the simplest explanation. This is the simplest explanation. Yeah. This is straightforward. And so there's this giant conspiracy theory, right? That like all of this was like a cover up because something happened. And I've seen two different kind of conspiracy theories. The first is that there was just negligence and that the school covered it up because it didn't want to get in trouble. And the second involves two students that their father, who was an FBI agent, covered it up. And all of that just makes me, again, I'm so angry at every like piece of this case, but that especially where, oh my goodness, a 45 pound weight did it, right? Or a dumbbell. Mm -hmm. If that hit him just right, that would account for everything in the second and third autopsy. Yeah. It would explain everything 
we would know that it wasn't indeed an accident. It was an altercation that ended his life. It would also mean that there was a significant cover up. Let's just talk about the scene again. The mat that he was in wasn't in the front. So they would have had to then take his body, put it in there, move it, put the other mats in front. All of this would have to happen and then be cleaned up. Yep. In addition to what they say in this. So let's just like take a moment and sum it up, right? So we have the death of a child at school that is initially ruled an accident in a way that most of us have never heard before. That doesn't really necessarily make sense just generally based on bodies and how they interact with the natural world. Then the first autopsy misses things. The second autopsy and the third autopsy show a different cause of death. That's pretty clear and that should have been caught by the first one. The surveillance footage comes by a way that isn't inclusive and then surprise, surprise, doesn't include all the footage. And then not to mention in the original autopsy, sometime between the autopsy and the funeral home, the organs go missing. So they're gone. Mm -hmm. The coroners aren't allowed on the scene within the first six hours, so they don't see what happens. Am I missing anything? Am I missing any like glaring issues? That's kind of like the sum, right? So you have a crime scene where the crime scene's contaminated. Cause of death is ruled within the first 24 hours before all the evidence is reviewed. The body is tampered with post-autopsy. The surveillance footage appears to be tampered with. At the very least, it was collected improperly. Yeah. How they could definitively say this is an accident. I have no clue. No idea. And then here's another thing, too. So it took this, right, this affidavit coming up, all of that. It, again, sparked interest in the case again. People were sharing petitions to get this case reopened. Rightly so. They should have been. This makes sense. So then finally, remember, this affidavit came up February 9th, 2018. It took until this year, 2021. And finally, they are now going to start looking into the case again. Yeah. After everything she just listed. It shouldn't have taken that long. The family had to sit, sit with this. And in March of 2021, the Lowndes County Sheriff announced that he would be reopening the case of Kendrick Johnson. So this is not the same sheriff that originally was working the case when Kendrick was found. We'll just note that. And this is what he said. I'm treating this like a brand new case. There's still a lot of questions people want answered. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Accurate. And here's another thing, though. There's new evidence. And we talked about this in our last True Crime Digest episode. And that's where we first brought up Kendrick Johnson. And we said we were going to do a full episode. Here it is. So an anonymous person reached out to Kendrick's family and said that they had a 25 second recording of a confession from March of 2021. The recording was allegedly from a family member of the person selling the recording disgusting. And again, we we already talked about it. So we're just going to briefly note they paid $1,000 for this recording and they turned it over to the sheriff's office. The person who sold the recording may be charged for extortion if this is indeed not a true authentic recording, right? As they should be. As they should be. So the Johnson family's spokesperson, whose name is Marcus Coleman, said, you clearly hear what appears to be a Caucasian young male stating twice that he knows he's going to get caught. And then they've already authenticated it on their side. Now we're just waiting for authorities to authenticate it on their side. And I will just quickly read the audio transcript. They're gonna catch me anyways. Should have never done that. I was young and stupid, man. Kendrick didn't deserve that. They're gonna catch me. Doesn't your heart just rage? My heart rages. I'm mad because like... It sounds like that person is trying to get empathy from the person they're talking to and screw you because 
his family has been like marinating in this pain for years and you're worried that you're going to get caught because you made a stupid mistake you bet your ass you made a stupid mistake now i'm up to it you did it you took someone's life and also this matches that affidavit to me maybe last i've heard so the newest update that i can find from ashley polk who's again the county sheriff he said that the investigation may take up to six months so I wonder if there's more things that haven't been released to the public yet yeah. that they're looking into. And I did see in one place, too, that there's speculation that this person who was recorded has already been questioned in this case. And you think about it, like, what if there was a big cover up? That makes me so mad. Well, what if there was a big cover up, right? This individual was questioned earlier and they let it go. And also, I mean, what if this person was questioned earlier and they recorded their interview, but then deleted it? You know what I mean? Exactly. We have no idea. Could be because we don't know. We don't know. So, Lindsay, what are your thoughts? Kendrick Johnson was murdered. I believe Kendrick Johnson was murdered as well. However, I am still up in the air if he was murdered intentionally or unintentionally. Was it maybe they got in a fight and they're like, oh, my gosh, I just killed someone. Not meaning to. Or let's say they didn't kill him. But the way that they placed him ended up ultimately without getting treatment killed him either way it's absolutely wrong i'm not giving any leeway anyway no i see what you're saying but i'm wondering what happened i don't think it was premeditated murder i think it was another student and it was heat of the moment Mm -hmm. and honestly before i even read that affidavit that's what i thought because i guess like if you were gonna do premeditated murder this is literally the worst place to do it in a gym with cameras at school that's the worst place to do premeditated murder Unless you know the right people. But even if you knew the right people, this is still the worst place to do it. Literally, I feel like literally anywhere else would be better than this. But that's what makes me think it's not premeditated. Because like outside of school, just outside of the cameras. I mean, I would imagine the kids know where the cameras were. You know what I mean? So I think that there was some type of altercation. There was violence. Maybe it wasn't meant to be deadly violence, but it was. And then rather than getting help, they panicked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like there could have been a point where he could have been saved and they chose to hide instead. Or maybe he died instantly. I don't know. Yeah. But I do think that someone is at fault. Well, and a 45 pound weight is very specific. That's very specific. And here's the thing. If originally the autopsy had shown that he had died from blunt force trauma. We wouldn't be here. Fingers crossed. I'm going to assume that law enforcement would have then looked at things that could cause the level of damage that he had sustained. Yeah. Right? Like things like weights or like items in the gym that would match that size-ish and test it. And because honestly, like if you think that area of the neck, right? Yeah. How many times have you seen like a movie where people are like getting into a fight and one person like... They just push somebody and then they fall wrong. Yeah. And they like hit their neck and head weird. And you're like, oh, my God, like I could see how that could happen. Right. Yeah. It could have been something just like that where it wasn't even like a big spectacle, but it was just a terrible accident. But they're still responsible. Yeah. And if they would have come forward, it wouldn't have brought Kendrick back, but it wouldn't have made it hurt worse. Yeah, exactly. And Kendrick's family didn't deserve this. No, the years, years and years of hell that they've been through because someone was afraid to come forward. Also, could you imagine like, oh man, this like hit me. The biggest thing that your child's known for is their death. That most people who hear your child's name think about their death. 
that hurt your heart. Oh, again, I'm crying. But like, I can't imagine how terrible that would feel. And that's now their very real lived experience. Mm -hmm. So this was the story of the death of Kendrick Johnson. We'll continue to provide updates in our True Crime Digest. We put it on the outro, but we're going to say it again here just because I think it's really important for this one specifically. We do include all of our sources on our website. It's DrewCreeps.com. If there's anything that you want to see in terms of like documents that you're like, you have a bunch of sources on here. Can you point me towards the direct one? Feel free to shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things. Yeah, just again, use caution when looking at this one. If you are squeamish in any way, you don't want to see a dead body. Yeah. And also, you know, if you're inclined to discuss this online, just be aware that his family exists and that what you say. And they're very active online about the case still. And they should be, right? But just like speak and do as little harm as you can because it's not necessary to hurt them more. So regardless of your opinion, theirs matters more. Their experience matters more, just like hands down. Yeah. So speak respectfully. I want to say too, something I noticed, I've seen people sharing things from his family and they all had shirts with Kendrick's name on it. They've had celebrations for him. They celebrated, I want to say it was like his 21st birthday. It still hurts the same amount as it did before for that family. And it hurts looking at the family talking about Kendrick now. So yeah, just be very respectful. How could it not? There's like this one picture they show of Kendrick alive and he has got these like bright eyes. Yeah. And he looks like a kind person. You can't look at someone and say they look kind, right? But like you ever like look at someone's eyes and you're like, they seem like they would be just like a good human. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you can see it in his eyes. Yeah. He also just looks very innocent to me. Like, I mean, he was a kid. So yeah, he was innocent. But like he just looks like this kind kid. A sweet boy. Yeah, it hurts my heart. But this case is one that I got really into and really passionate about. So we will definitely be following it, like she said, on our True Crime Digest. So this wasn't the most cheery of episode, but it's an important story to tell. This one's tough to end. So we'll just say we'll see you next week. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at True Creeps Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at True Creeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. <laughs>